What is going on, everybody? Welcome back here today to episode 16 of the Just Ballin' Podcast. How is everybody doing today? So yeah, today's episode, we are going to be recapping the 2020 trade deadline. A trade deadline that a lot of people thought wasn't going to be as excited as it turned out to be. We saw some big trades. I'm going to go over every major trade and kind of my opinions on it, who I think possibly won it initially, and how I think it could work out for both teams or hurt both teams down the line or three teams or in this case we saw a four team trade so we're gonna get to that so yeah if you're listening on spotify thank you if you could drop a follow i'd really appreciate that or if you're on apple Podcasts, a rating or review really helps and then a like on youtube means a lot so yeah today we can get into it i guess we can talk about the biggest trade to start off at least player wise that was the golden state warriors trading d'angelo russell amari spellman and jacob evans to the minnesota timberwolves for andrew wiggins minnesota's top three protected 2021 first round pick and minnesota's 2021 second round pick now this first round pick will become unprotected in 2022 if the t-wolves get a top three pick in 2021 now we can talk about this for the t-wolves side so obviously the t-wolves just completely shook up their team they made two major trades this was one of them and then they were obviously involved in the four-team trade with denver houston and atlanta and we'll get to that in a little bit but yeah they shook up their roster completely a bunch of new guys on their team uh, two main ones from this that will probably play is D'Angelo Russell. And I don't know if Amari Spellman will play a lot. Uh, Jacob Evans and I think Spellman were thrown in there so the Warriors can get under the luxury tax. I don't know if they're going to play a lot in Minnesota. Now, obviously, the big player they got in return is D'Angelo Russell. And I've heard a lot of mixed reports on like people agreeing with this on Minnesota's side or really like downgrading it. Because people think there's, like I feel like, two sides to this. People think, one... The reason you do this is for the expected value that you're going to get on everything besides on the basketball court also. So, Carl Anthony Towns is obviously the main player for Minnesota. He's a young player. He's not really great on defense. He doesn't really try there. And he just signed that extension a year ago or a year and a half ago. So, he's under contract for, I believe, the next five years, including this year. So, it's not like he's going anywhere anytime soon on his case. Obviously, he can request a trade. But apparently D'Lo and Cat are best friends, so obviously this will keep Carl Anthony Towns happy because he's not going to want to request a trade and leave his best friend high and dry. Like, I don't think that would happen. So I think this is a huge move by Gerson Rosas to obviously please their superstar and Cat. Now, do I think D'Lo is a good fit for this team? It depends how you look at D'Lo. Obviously, he's a really good offensive player, or at least an above-average offensive player. He's not super efficient. He's never led a... Um, a positive offense in his career like the Nets offense last year wasn't as good as people made it out to be and Golden State's offense this year is pretty bad but you can't put that on D'Lo their roster is pretty horrible so it depends because D'Lo like Cat not a great defensive player whatsoever but obviously if you can develop a Koji um, or Kogi excuse me uh, maybe Culver could become a good defender Malik Beasley um, and then obviously they're going to look for that power forward to put next to Cat that could probably space the floor and play defense which is super hard to find in power forwards Maybe they'll have a good defensive team, but I don't like this on the aspect that the T-Wolves gave up. I, I wouldn't say they gave up a lot. I actually thought they would have had to give up more, but after hearing a couple of things, people say that D'Lo's contract is just as bad as Wiggins. People think that just Wiggins, if you could salvage him, he could actually provide some positive on the defense and offensive end. D'Lo's kind of lost on the defensive end. I, I just don't think he's, people think he's strong enough. He's quick enough. And it's going to be hard to see, obviously, when teams switch D'Lo and Cat how they can get exploited. But they beat the Clippers in their first game, um, which was pretty big for them. I don't think Kawhi played in that game, but I could be wrong, and I don't think Marcus Morris was there yet. And they're currently beating the Raptors um, at halftime in a high-scoring half. Go figure, um, as I'm recording this. So um, it's looking like it hasn't been horrible. 
Um, obviously, the start has only been two games, so it's not like you can really make a definitive decision. Obviously, you really can't put winners and losers on a trade right when they happen. You have to see how they pan out. Because, hey, when when Paul George got traded from Indiana to OKC, everybody thought they, they sold him for pennies on the dollar. Oh, it's a bonus. That's not really a good return. Yeah, those two players turned out to be all-stars in back-to-back -back years. So, you know what? You can't judge a trade right away when it happens. You have to see how the player's tenure turns out or how these young players or assets they get in return for the superstar, how they pan out. So the T-Wolves, I like this for the aspect that they can keep Cat happy. It gives you a good point guard for the future, but it's really hard to do stuff cap-wise, at least this offseason, because obviously James Johnson contract isn't great. They're probably going to look to bring back either Hernan Gomez or Beasley or both. Um, I think they would lean towards Beasley more than Hernan Gomez, but I think they can go after both in the offseason. And then you really want to find that power forward. But hey, um, I'll interrupt myself. They have a top 10 pick most likely in this draft. Um, maybe they can get lucky like the Pelicans or Grizzlies last year or the Lakers, or maybe they'll have the 10th pick in the draft, or maybe they'll play well in the second half of the year and they'll end up with the 12th pick in the draft. Either way, I think they should look power forward. Now, a good defensive power forward, um, that I think could maybe play next to the cat is an okay Kongwu from USC uh, or maybe Obi Toppin from Dayton. Um, there's some definitely okay big men that you could probably pair next to cat and think it could work out in their system. It depends obviously how they would fit Ryan Saunders system next year. But I think this is a good trade for the T-Wolves. I think I think this is a good trade for the T-Wolves. Now, it, like obviously if you – I don't think that the T-Wolves will be a bottom five team next year. I just don't see them being any worse than let's say – the Knicks, let's say, off the top of my head, the Cavs, Pistons, Knicks will probably be at the bottom there. And then obviously you're going to find some team that's going to regress. Like you don't know if the Spurs are ever going to be down there, but probably not. Yeah, I'm just saying that in the case that DeRozan walks or stuff like that. Or you don't know if Memphis is going to just not be as good next year as they are this year. Or a major injury is going to happen to a team. Or the Thunder are going to start tanking. Or the Suns or Kings are going to be bad next year. And then obviously you have the Hornets, the Bulls, the Wizards. There's a lot of bad teams that could potentially be worse than the Timberwolves next year. So let's say hypothetically it's the 10th pick next year. Things don't work out. They flirt with playoffs maybe for like a quarter of the season. And they end up with the 10th or let's say, yeah, the 10th pick in the draft. You basically trade the 10th pick in your draft. And Wiggins, who clearly it wasn't working out between Cat and Wiggins. You gave it, what, four years, uh, five years, and it's just it wasn't working out, which, hey, that it, it, it's time to move on. And you know what? I don't think that's terrible value for getting Cat's best friend and a massive upgrade at point guard and a player that could probably be very good with Cat on offense, especially in the pick and roll. Teams like it's going to be really good on offensive side and completely opposite on the defensive side. I think that's worth it. I think that's worth the 10th pick, but next year's draft is supposedly a lot stronger than this year's draft. So that's obviously something to keep on the eye out for. So, um, yeah, that's kind of my Minnesota thoughts. I think it was good for the aspect that you can keep Cat happy. I think it's a very good upgrade. I think Russell is a better player than Wiggins, um, or at least he will be in that Minnesota system. And if you basically gave up the 10th pick next year, I think that's fine. Obviously, if that pick ends up being top five, that's going to hurt. Or if that pick ends up being 19th or 18th and the Timberwolves get the 8th or 17th next year, which I don't think they will. But hey, you never know. A lot can happen in a year. They could end up getting the number one pick in the draft this year and stuff crazy could happen like that. So you don't know where they're going to end up being next year. Obviously, if they make the playoffs or they're kind of like the 12th pick or higher, I'd say this is a good trade. If it ends up being like a top five pick, I think that definitely hurts their side of this trade. But I think T-Wolves fans are happy. I think Gerson Rosas is happy. I think Timberwolves management is happy or ownership, excuse me. So, yeah, I think I think the Timberwolves end up becoming winners for themselves in this trade. And obviously, if Cad and D-Lo can ever um, just win, honestly, as the two main players on the Timberwolves team, just because they lack defense and they're kind of so um, against the wall salary cap-wise because these two players are making so much money, 
then you can maybe be like, okay, maybe this trade really wasn't worth it. But I think at the time now, this is well worth it for the T-Wolves. Now, moving over to the Warriors side of things. The Warriors acquire Andrew Wiggins, the T-Wolves 2021 first round pick, top three protected, and the Minnesota T-Wolves 2021 second round pick. So both those picks are next year. So obviously Minnesota will be able to keep all their picks this year. Now, the main player you get in this trade is Andrew Wiggins. So when everyone's healthy next year, you're going to at least have Curry, Clay, Wiggins, Draymond, and let's say Kavon Mooney for now. And then obviously they're going to have a top five pick in the draft. That's looking like they will end up with the number one odds. Unless Curry comes back and they end up maybe as the 28th best team in the NBA. And then the furthest they could fall down to is seven. That could happen. But yeah, let's just say, or six, they could fall six. Uh, yeah. So let's say if they end up as the 20th best, 28th best team, they could fall down to, um, down to seven so um they're pretty much gonna have no pick lower than i would say like at this moment because they are the worst team in the nba the fifth pick in this draft so the golden state warriors are either gonna add one of james wiseman anthony edwards lamelo ball cole anthony tyrese halliburton um any one of those guys obviously there's really no definitive number one but a lot of people think it will be anthony edwards and who knows if the warriors would do that with um with uh clay and wiggins on that team but that's down the line but yeah they get wiggins and basically this is going to make Wiggins not in the ISO role that he's mainly been in in Minnesota. He's not going to be as high as a usage guy anymore. And I think with just the defense being so drawn to the Splash Brothers and the gravity they pull in, this could really help Wiggins for a lot of catch-and-shoot threes, which he isn't bad at at all. Um, the defensive potential is definitely there, especially playing alongside Draymond Green and Klay Thompson will help him out because those are two above-average slash elite defenders. And then maybe they'll add a nice rim protector in the offseason, either via trade or maybe, obviously, they could draft James Wiseman or Neka Kongwu um, in the draft. So, I think that will definitely help. And I think, I don't think Wiggins is as bad as people say he is. It's obviously the contract that makes him so much more of a negative player. I think he's the only player in NBA history to post, like, starting minutes in his first five years and have a negative warp every year, um, which is basically the NBA's version of wins above replacement, which you obviously have probably heard from the MLB. But I think Steve Kerr, Bob Myers, the Warriors, coaching staff, training staff all together could definitely turn Andrew Wiggins around. I think if there's like one team to pick in the NBA to do so, or I would say if there's three teams to pick, I'd probably go Spurs, Raptors, Warriors. So he's definitely in a position I would want him to be in. And I think that this isn't the worst idea for the Warriors. Now, I really wasn't on the Wiggins contract as much, but who is, right? This is definitely a big risk. Obviously, if Wiggins doesn't really improve to what he's been in Minnesota. This is going to hurt the Warriors for the next four years he's under contract. But hey, if they can turn Wiggins around and make him be a positive player, he doesn't have to be a 25-point-per-game scorer. He could obviously average around 15 to 18, but if he has a true shooting percentage of over 56%, he's a good defender on help, on ball, and he could just not be a negative player that he's been in Minnesota, at least efficiency-wise and just defense-wise, then it's a win for them. They obviously don't need him to be the number one pick next LeBron James, next Kevin Durant that he was hyped up to be coming out of Kansas. They just need him to be their third-slash-fourth best player on that team, probably the third best player on offense, maybe the fourth most impactful player on offense, obviously because Jamon Green's going to run more point guard next year or at least more ball handling next year um, that we've seen in previous years. So I I'm excited to see this with next year. Obviously, whatever Wiggins does this year with them, I'm not going to take that too much into consideration. I'm not going to say, oh, this is a giant loss for the Warriors because Wiggins really didn't play well with Damian Lee, Kai Bowman, and the rest of the crew. So 
I want to give it some time. I want to give it at least next year to realize how this can work out. And then they get the 2021 top three protected pick from Minnesota and a better draft next year. They're hoping it's probably pick four to six and they can add another top 10 talent to their already good roster. They'll add maybe a top 40 pick in the second round, depending if Minnesota is good or not next year. It all relies on how Minnesota improves their team in the offseason because I think their roster right now is solid, but I don't think it's a playoff team. I don't think it's probably a top 10 seed in the Western Conference. I'd rather take the playoff teams that are in the playoffs right now probably add Portland and New Orleans at least next year um, and you could maybe even give an argument that Phoenix could be better than them so yeah Minnesota definitely has some work to do if they want to actually not give up a top 10 pick in this Devo trade and a top 42nd in this trade but I like this for both teams right now obviously one team will be more of the favorite next year or the winner next year so we're just gonna have to wait and see for that but yeah let's move on to some other trades all right so speaking of the Timberwolves we can now talk about the four team trade that went down where the Rockets acquired Robert Covington Jordan Bell and the Warriors 2024 second round pick um, the Atlanta Hawks acquired Clint Capella and Nene the Minnesota Timberwolves acquired Malik Beasley, Juan Hernan Gomez, Evan Turner, Jared Vanderbilt, and the Nets 2020 first round pick, which is top four team protected, which it's looking like it might be the 16th pick in the draft. And then the um, obviously if it's lottery and the Nets don't make the playoffs, it will convey into another lottery protected first in 2021. And then I think it conveys into seconds, but obviously next year they'll probably make the playoffs regardless if they don't this year because they will be getting Kevin Durant back next year. And then the Nuggets also acquired Gerald Green, Kid Bates, the op they're, they're waving Gerald Green, uh, Shabazz Napier, Noah Vonley, and the Rockets 2020 first round pick, which will probably be around pick 25 or something like that. So we can go down the line. I kind of made a video talking about what I thought from each team, but if you didn't catch that, I'll kind of talk about it. The Rockets. Man, people hate watching the Rockets, and they love to hate on the Rockets, but watching them so far play the Suns, play the Lakers, um, and then they, their awful loss to the Jazz, and not awful in a bad way, it's just Bojan hit that crazy shot to win it. It's fun. I like this. I, I like this a lot. They're rolling out lineups where it's what? It's James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Robert Covington, Daniel House, and P.J. Tucker, or take out House and throw in Macklemore or throw in Eric Gordon, and you have P.J. Tucker as the five. I love this a lot. It's fun to watch, man. It's something we've never seen before, a team going this small. On offense, obviously, I like it more on defense because I like having these five perimeter guys out there. I mean, obviously, James Harden's probably the worst defender out of all those guys, or maybe Eric Gordon when he's on the floor. But it's fun watching P.J. Tucker fly around, Robert Covington be kind of like a free safety, and then Russell Westbrook is kind of being more of the drive-heavy guy on offense and then kicked it out to four shooters. This is kind of crazy because this is kind of what—I'm going to use a weird analogy here—that what we saw in Orlando about a decade ago with Dwight Howard, and they— Put all these shooters around him like JJ Reddick, Rashard Lewis, Hito Turkoglu, and whenever teams would double team the best big man in the league, he would have an easy guy to kick it out to. Now, when Russell Westbrook's driving, he's so good at attacking the rim and he goes so fast, teams want to close in on him, right, and throw two defenders on him, which means he could find that one guy open, or if the guy on the perimeter isn't isn't as open and it's a guy from like above the break that comes down, or if his defender comes down, he kicks it out to PJ Tucker on the sideline, and then he do the one more pass to Harden or the one more pass to Broco, and they get a pretty good look three, which I, I really like this. I don't think it could be good enough to win the championship because I think even though they beat the Lakers in LA I just think in a seven game series against the Lakers Nuggets or the Jazz with these teams with really good centers I just think it's gonna be hard to beat them but I think it's really entertaining and I'm really excited to see how far it goes this year uh the Hawks acquired Clint Capella um and then I guess I can talk about the other Hawks move where they acquired Dwayne Dedman um because they basically made two semi-big moves over uh, the trade deadline. So yeah, they ended up picking up Clint Capella and Dwayne Dedman. Um, and this is really good, I think. I think it's a good job by Travis Slank. He used one of those first round picks that he got for free last year, or for Torian Prince, where he treated Alan Crabb, 
Um, or he got Alan Crabb so the Nets could do a salary dump to sign Katie and Kyrie. All he had to do was give up Torian Prince and I think a second, and then they got um, the Nets' first-round pick last year and the Nets' first-round pick this year, which they ended up turning the one this year into Clint Capella. So you basically turned the 16th overall pick in the draft for Clint Capella in a weak draft where there might only be two good centers that end up coming out of this draft. I think that's a job well done. By Travis Slang. Now, they got Nene, and if they haven't waived him already, they will. Um, Nene, I don't know if he's ever playing again, which is um, unfortunate. But, yeah, and then they pick up Dwayne Dedman. So, these are two good centers that they're going to have for this year and next year. Clint Capella, I believe, is under contract for two more years after this year, or three. And then Dwayne Dedman is a, or has a non-guarantee for 21-22. So, he'll be under contract this year, next year. And then they can decide if they want to bring him back for the following year. So I think this is a good job by the Hawks. They get better, and it didn't cost them a lot. They cost them Evan Turner and the 15th overall pick, or excuse me, the 16th overall pick in the draft, what it's looking like to be now. Now, the Timberwolves, they acquired Malik Beasley, Juan Hernan Gomez, Evan Turner, Jared Vanderbilt, and the Nets first-round pick. That first-round pick that I kind of talked about before. So the Timberwolves are going to have two first-round picks in this draft, two top 16 firsts, which will be fun to see what Rosas does with those. And then they acquired Malik Beasley, who will be a restricted free agent. Hernan Gomez will be a restricted free agent. Evan Turner is an expiring deal. Um, he won't be back probably next year. They actually might have waived him, um, I think, actually. Um, and they're going to roll with Alan Crabb. And then Jared Vanderbilt, I believe, is under contract for the next couple of years. But uh, I believe the latter two of his contract years are non-guaranteed. But yeah, Malik Beasley and Hernan Gomez, it's going to be a test to see. Uh, second half of the year, Rosas and their staff will develop or um, evaluate and see who fits well. Um, if both of them do or if one of them do and look to bring them back in the offseason. And I think this is a good trade for them. It didn't, I mean, you basically got these two young players that could end up being rotational guys for you. And the 16th pick in the draft for Robert Covington. I think that's a job well done. Um, if you were going to move on from Rocco. Um, and then the Nuggets, they basically just got a first-round pick for, um, and I guess, yeah, basically the only valuable thing here is the first-round pick and what do you think of Keita Bates-Diop for Beasley and Hernan Gomez. And it's going to be the 25th pick in the draft, but hey, at least you got something for two guys that weren't even playing for you and two guys you probably did not plan on bringing back next year um, because of their restricted free agency and you probably weren't going to match whatever they got. Um, they probably would have given them the qualifying offer, but I'm sure some team would have threw at least seven mil at Malik Beasley or the same thing to Hernan Gomez this summer. Okay, so there's about three more moves we could talk about that were quote-unquote major moves that happened at this deadline, or maybe four we could talk about. So one was a funny trade. It was the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, this was like moments before the deadline um, happened. It was the Cavs acquiring Andre Drummond. Uh, for Brandon Knight, John Henson, and either the Cavs or Warriors 2023 second-round pick whichever is less favorable, which will probably be the Warriors pick. So it's a pretty crappy second for Andre Drummond. And you basically got two expiring deals in Henson and Brandon Knight, which is crazy because Andre Drummond, I guess just his value is looked at so differently by people. He's a good center. He's not a great center. He's a good center. Is he worth 25 mil a year? No. Is he worth backup money? Yeah, 100%. Is he good enough to be a starter on, the championship on a championship team? I think so, but is he good enough to be a starter on a championship team when he's being the second or first highest paid player on that team? I don't know. I, it's hard because he's not a winning player. He's never proved that he could be a winning player, um, and obviously because his offensive skill set is so limited. He's a okay rim protector. It's depending if he tries or not, and obviously in Detroit, he really hasn't had that much good perimeter defense around him or just solid defense around him where he's been able to take plays off or it's just people helping him. It's not been like that, so I don't know if Cleveland's going to get any better because the backcourt there's defense is pretty horrible. Kevin Love isn't too much of a good defender anymore, and Jetty Osman isn't really a stellar defender either. Now, um, for the Cavs side, I'll talk about 
I, I like this actually because you know what? He's going to opt in. You could see how he plays next year. And if you don't like him, his fit there, you can move on from him. And maybe if you want to contend next year, you're going to add a top five pick in the draft. Maybe it could be Anthony Edwards. And then you could roll out a really fun lineup of Garland, Sexton, Edwards, Kevin Love, or and Drummond. Or maybe you could put LaMelo Ball. I don't know because this is such a point guard heavy draft class. The Cavs already drafted two point guards in the last two drafts. So they're probably eyeing maybe Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, but he's not a small forward whatsoever. He's a combo guard. Um, it's basically Anthony Edwards or Denny Avdia. Those are the two best forwards probably coming out of this draft. Um, or Isaac Okoro. It, yeah, it's not the greatest wing draft. So we'll see where the Cavs go from here. I'm sure Drummond and Love will be their front court next year. I don't think they're going to be able to find a trade partner for Love unless maybe Phoenix um, wants him in the offseason. But I don't think anyone even wants that Love contract. And we'll see if Colby Altman gives Drummond an extension next year. And then the Pistons... Basically acquired some expirings and then a 2023 second round pick, which I don't even need to talk about. And then the expirings will, you know what, this will allow um, Detroit to have a little bit of cap space this offseason because Reggie Jackson's contract will be up. Those two guys' contracts will be up. And obviously, uh, Tony Snell will probably opt into his player option. So they're basically only going to be playing Blake Griffin and Tony Snell like a decent amount of money. Like more than 10 mil a year, those two guys will be getting. But yeah, if they want to maybe go after like a Malik Beasley, if they want to go after a Fred Van Vliet or anybody and offer them a max, they could. Or not a max, but a decent amount of money or a Montrezl Hill, they 100% could. I don't think Ed Stefanski and them are going to try to do so. Maybe they'll go after one of those young guys. Maybe they'll look to bring in like a Malik Beasley. But I doubt it because they wanted to possibly move Kennard. So we'll see if that even happens in this offseason because I, Phoenix was rumored to uh, trade for him at the deadline. But yeah, I think they're rebuilding. They'll probably sign some guys just to like fill out the roster and um, they'll see where they go from there. They'll probably look to trade Blake Griffin, but I don't think any team is going to want to trade for him um, just due to his contract unless it's like a small market team like maybe Charlotte and they're like, yeah, we'll just trade you Blake Griffin for Nicholas Batum straight up and maybe Charlotte would be like, okay, we'll do that. And maybe Detroit will be like, yeah, and we'll throw in like Bruce Brown or somebody like that. I don't know. Um, but yeah, obviously Detroit is rebuilding now. Um, they're going to quote-unquote tank for the rest of the year. Blake Griffin is out for the rest of the year. Um, they're going to end up with a top five projected pick most likely. Um, and yeah, they can reevaluate if they like Christian Wood as well. Um, he'll be able to get starter minutes. And then yeah, they're going to most likely have a top seven pick in this draft depending where they end up in the lottery. So are they going to add that next point guard after Reggie Jackson, like a Theo Maldon, like an RJ Hampton, LaMelo, Cole Anthony? Or they get to possibly go after maybe a wing or a big man. We'll see. And then obviously they'll probably look to move Derrick Rose if they can get maybe like a top 20 pick for Derrick Rose. They'll probably look to do so. And yeah, it's pretty much all I have to say about that trade. Now another trade that happened um, was Marcus Morris and Isaiah Thomas going to the Clippers. The Clippers ended up waving Isaiah Thomas to clear up a roster spot. The Knicks acquired uh, Mo Harkless from the Clippers. The Clippers 2021st round pick, um, which is probably going to be... 27 28 29 the pistons 2021 second round pick which hey we just talked about the pistons are going to be rebuilding that's probably going to be a top 40 second round pick and then the right to swap their own 2020 first round pick with the clippers 2021 first round pick which is top four protected which it's not going to happen the clippers will 100 or at least 99.999 percent have a better record than the Knicks next year. And the Jeff writes to Yusuf Sanin, um, who was on the Wizards, and then the Wizards acquired Jerome Robinson. So for the Clippers, I really like this trade for them. Um, I actually really like this trade for the Clippers and the Knicks. For the Clippers, they get Marcus Morris, who has been a really, really good offensive player this year. He's posted a career-high three-point percentage and three points made a game, and also three points attempted a game. And I think he's going to be a really nice two-way player for them. I think he could be a good defender, because um, I don't think he's a great help defender. But hey, if he's going to put in his on-ball help, 
um, or his on-ball D, and then you're going to have Kawhi, Patrick Beverly, Montrezl Harrell, Paul George play around you. I think he's going to be fine defensively there. Um, it's just the only thing is he's a high-usage player for the Knicks this year, so we'll see um, when his usage rate goes down because obviously Kawhi, um, Paul George, and we'll see if Lou Will and Montrezl Harrell get more shots up than him or just have a higher usage than him. We'll see how that turns out. But yeah, Doc Rivers got another guy to play with, and the Clippers made a championship um, contending move. The Knicks, though... They acquire Mo Harkless and expiring. Probably won't be back. Could get bought out. But hey, he is a Queens guy. Um, he went to St. John's. Maybe they'll keep him around um, and he'll want to stay. The Clippers, 2020 first round pick. I think this is a good job getting that for an expiring deal. A one-year guy you signed in the offseason. And you basically get another first round pick. And yes, it'll be draft, but hey, you never know. Um, the Pistons 2021 second round pick, which I said before, could be a top 40 second. Um, and then the swap and the draft rights probably aren't going to be too much in the future that are going to matter. And the Wizards acquired Jerome Robinson, who is guaranteed for next year. So maybe they just wanted another guy to have on their team next year. And I think they liked him before the draft. I think they were targeting him um, from what I heard um, when they drafted Troy Brown. But obviously, uh, <laughs> the Clippers shocked a lot of people and, and took Robinson in the lottery. So... The Wizards couldn't get him then, but they get him now for basically Isaiah Thomas. So, hey, that's not terrible for them. Um, so, good job there by uh, Tommy um, Shepard. But, yeah, for the Knicks, I also wanted to mention they um, fired Steve Mills. I don't think I mentioned this at all on video or on the pod. Um, I think it's 10 years too late now. Uh, it's probably five years too late. But, um, yeah, this was something that needed to be done. His win percentage was like 20% as a Knicks. So, you know what? They moved on. I kind of wish they waited to the offseason to go after the president and let Scott Perry handle the deadline because I think he could have made this move without them getting Leon Rose, um, who's a CAA agent. Um, so, yeah, it's another player agent like Bob Myers and Rob Polinka becoming a GM. And then, obviously, the, the New York ties to Brody Van Wagen, um, who was a agent and ended up being the Mets general manager last year. Uh, so, yeah, this we'll see how it turns out. Apparently, he's really respected. He's been the agent's. I believe, of like Devin Booker, D'Angelo Russell, Chris Paul, maybe Cat. Um, I could be wrong on that. But yeah, he's been the agent of a lot of good NBA players, and we'll see how it turns out down the line. We'll see how he does in this draft with a top 10 draft pick, two first-round picks, a lot of cap space. Let's hope he doesn't spend it on like Marcus Solons or Jabaka and, um, and DeMar DeRozan. But we'll see. So uh, yeah, that is the second-to-last trade I'm going to talk about. Um, and then, yeah, the final big trade I'll talk about is the Heat acquiring Andre Iguodala and Jay Crowder going um, to the Grizzlies. So, yeah, the Heat acquire Andre Iguodala, or no, Jay Crowder going to the Heat, excuse me. So, it's the Heat acquiring Andre Iguodala, Jay Crowder, and Solomon Hill. The Grizzlies acquiring Justice Wenzel, Deion Waiters, and Gorgie Zhang from the T Wolves, dang part of that. And they uh, released Deion Waiters and waived them. So, basically, only Justice Wenzel from uh, the Heat is on their team. And then they traded Gorgie Zhang. Um, or they acquired Gorgie Zhang for James Johnson, who was also in that trade. So for the Heat, they ended up getting Iguodala, which was kind of funny because he signed an extension like 10 minutes after he got traded. So um, I guess tampering just wasn't wasn't an effect there, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, the Heat, I like this trade because I, I actually really like them getting Jay Crowder or Solomon Hill in this as well. I thought it was just the Iguodala for Winslow swap. But I think getting Jay Crowder is going to help them out a lot this year. We'll see if he even plays, though, in crunch time. Uh, but Jay Crowder is still a good player. I wouldn't really say so. Um, about Solomon Hill and then the Grizzlies acquire Justice Winslow hey they obviously sacrifice any cap they would probably have going into this summer but it's not a good free agency class and they're still rebuilding as it is um, or just building and developing and growing and then they might make the playoffs this year um, as the eighth seed 
But yeah, then they'll go into the 2021 offseason and Deion Waiters will, or excuse me, Justice Winslow will have a team option. So if he hasn't played good for them or he's been hurt and they don't want to invest the $10 million that is partially guaranteed or not guaranteed for 2021, they want that extra 10 and a half mil for free agency, they can just decline the team option. So I think this is a good deal for the Memphis Grizzlies and they basically got Andre Iguodala for free. They ended up trading, what, a second? Javon Carter, or no, that was for just Josh Jackson. Yeah, they basically, I think, traded a second round pick to get the 2024 Golden State first round pick and Iguodala. So they basically got Justice Winslow and a 2024 first for free, for basically free. So this is a job well done by Zach Kleeman, which if you could watch an interview, um, he did one with Chris Vernon. Um, he, he's Chris Vernon's not part of the ringer, and I think um, met, like Memphis radio, but Zach Kleeman, um, he is the president of basketball operations slash general manager um, of the Memphis Grizzlies. He basically is the guy in power there. He's the guy in charge. He's basically their general manager. This dude is 30 years old. He's crazy. He, he has like the most perfect story. Like I was watching this interview and I was kind of researching him a little bit because um, I did this thing. I'll, I'll get into that actually after this. But yeah, he he grew up in Chicago. He went to USC, California, so Southern California. Uh, I forgot what he studied there, he said. But yeah, he got an internship there uh, with the Lakers as a PR intern for two years after his sophomore year. So his sophomore and junior year. And then he knew he was going to law school. He goes to law school at Duke and he was going to be part of this um, law firm in New York, um, this big law firm. Uh, I forgot what it's called. And then he got, while he was in um, Duke, he did this thing where it was like, ah, whatever he graduated from Duke from um, in law, I think it was like sports law. And he... Um, got Rich Cho, who was, I believe, the general manager of the Charlotte Hornets at that time, to kind of come and speak to them. And he talked about how he needed, um, he was looking for an intern, and Zach Kleeman got that job, and he ended up being a, uh, I think, a basketball operations intern for um, Charlotte, which is crazy. And then he ended up, I still think, working in the law in New York, um, and then. He um, ended up getting a job through there as a counsel for the Grizzlies, and then he ended up getting promoted after they uh, uh, let go of kind of their whole front office last offseason. So it was kind of crazy, and he's only 30 years old. 30 years old. And he's, like, literally leading a team that uh, um, that had no expectations going into the year to an eight seed. Or he's not leading, but he kind of constructed that team, which is crazy. And um, I did this scouting thing over um, um, the winter um, with uh, Pro Scout School, and one of the, the guest speaker was, or the guy who kind of um, was the guest uh, conference speaker there, was um, Adam Filippi, which is, he's been the uh, director of international scouting for the Lakers. Um, he was kind of a big part of them um, when teams started getting international scouts. And then he moved over to Charlotte. And then it's kind of funny because he's talking about how he was in Charlotte and he was like the director of scouting there. And um, Zach Kleeman was like an intern um, for them. and he And then he ends up um being the uh now the gm of the grizzlies which is kind of wild but yeah um that's crazy i just wanted to mention that zach Kleeman, the guy running this grizzlies team um what he has like the best story like he literally goes to college like a good school um gets an la lakers pr internship there um he said it wasn't much but he said it was still a good learning experience and then he goes to law school at duke and then gets a charlotte hornets internship as a basketball operations intern which i think is the coolest thing and then he ended up getting a job for the Grizzlies and is a general manager at age 30 basically so wild stuff there definitely look him up um if you want to get inspired a little bit because it's definitely inspiring um and he, he seems like a really good guy um just from the interviews I've seen but yeah the uh the Grizzlies get a nice young player back to the trade um for basically a guy they got from free uh for free I think you guys kind of already know um obviously how to feel about this uh, I thought it was a lot better if it'd be just an Iguodala swap for Winslow 
But good thing they're not letting James Johnson with any of their guys. They shift him off for Gorgie Zhang, which they can use another big um, off the bench with Clark and Jonas Valanciunas. Um, he'll be under contract next year like Waiters and Johnson were. And then they waived Waiters right away, which is a good job because you don't want him anywhere near your young guys because clearly he's been a culture issue over the last couple years. So, yeah, the Timberwolves get James Johnson. He's currently playing for them. The other trade I kind of want to talk about, but I'm not going to do it as much. Um, or I guess I can quickly talk about these two. So, the uh, Sixers acquired Alex Burks and GR3 for three crappy seconds. The Mavericks' second-round pick this year. Nuggets' second-round pick next year. And the Raptors' 2022 second-round pick. All these second-round picks will be probably after pick 45. So, you know what? You're getting two rotational players. I wouldn't say Burks and GR3 are particularly good players. But I think for those three seconds, and they needed bench help, I think it was worth it for Elton Brand. And the Warriors do this so they can get under the luxury tax. And then the um, I wanted to talk about the Kings trading away Dwayne Dedman um, for two expirings or quote-unquote expirings. Alex Len is an expiring. They also had to give up two second-round picks in this, but Rockets second-round pick this year, not going to be good. Heat's 2021 second-round pick, not going to be good. Um, and Jabari Parker, um, they also got in this, but he has a $6 million player option this summer, which he might opt in, he might not. Depends if you like Sacramento, but now this allows the Kings to have more flexibility to re-sign Bogda uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, which I think that's, as a good, that's a good job. I think that's a good job for them because um, obviously I'd rather have Bogdan Bogdanovich um, over Dwayne Dedman if that's what it came down to because you couldn't afford him or stuff like that. So I think that's a good job. So yeah, this was a fun part to do. I think I might have talked for like 28 plus minutes, but um, I guess I could just kind of talk about some personal stuff before I wrap this up. Just I don't know if you guys are any curious, but yeah, um, currently uh, in my second semester junior year at Temple, uh, currently taking 21 credits a semester. It's rough. It's a little bit. It's starting to catch up. I got my first corporate finance um, midterm tomorrow because I'm currently a finance major and a data science minor, and I'm still trying to graduate um, in my four years, which my expect or expected graduation date is may 2021 and i picked up a data science minor um because i want to know more about kind of sports analytics and what goes into it and how to obviously like compute everything um we're currently learning the language r um and it's it's not easy i would say but um um it's it's definitely interesting to learn about um i got my first test for that on wednesday um but yes yeah, so um yeah i'm a finance uh, major data science minor um i got my i actually landed an internship this summer with uh, fidelity investments which if you've heard of them um that'll be back home in new york so i'll be there for most of the summer um that'll be kind of my first real internship i did like a lacrosse internship in my senior year of high school but it wasn't like anything crazy but yeah um i'll be working two jobs youtube and a nine to five um for that so it'll definitely be an experience we'll see if i like it or not yeah it's um i wouldn't say it's been too hard school though I, i've been trying to still go to the gym every day obviously 21 credits and then plus doing youtube and um, a podcast it's it's not the easiest thing in the world but you know what it's definitely a grind and I, I enjoy it i'd rather do that i'd rather be um overwhelmed with stuff than be bored because then yeah you just want to get stuff done uh currently taking virtual scout school if you don't know what that is i definitely recommend it if you're trying to learn more about the nba or ever just like get involved about the nba i think it was 110 dollars for the first um course um, but it's like a 12-month course, but you can do it all in one month if you can finish it. Um, and it basically goes all to the intri intricates of the NBA. A former um, – his name was Pete Filo. Uh, I think he was a like, director of scouting. Um, and he was part of some team's front office. He kind of helped TPG Sports Group create it. And they're um, – um, it, it's really good. Like the first section is kind of like – um, how do talent evaluate what goes into that, like the pre-draft process, the physical, um, the psychological, the medical and all that and what trumps each other and kind of what each scout does, the advanced scout, the international scout, the pro personnel scout and what they all do, the video scout. Um, I'm currently, I think on chapter four or course four, section four, um, there was international scouting I've done. 
um i forget the other the second one that i did um i think it was um i i forget off the top of my head oh and then it was um advanced scouting and now i'm currently on the salary cap which interests me a lot so i'm really excited it's not like this isn't sponsored i just recommend this because i found this in the beginning of the school year um, and I definitely recommend it. Just type in virtual scout school and then they do like these um, scouting experience things where you can kind of learn how like teams scout players. And then they do this big thing around the summer league. A lot of companies do around the summer league in the summer. And I'm trying to go out this year to Vegas for that. I think it would be definitely a good experience. But yeah, um, sorry for rambling on. I just thought I'd talk about for a little bit more um, before I ended the pod. But yeah, uh, let me know what you guys think of the pod. Um, if you could write a review on Apple Music or just at me on Twitter, Matthew and Geist, um, or just on YouTube, you can write a comment um, and let me know. Yeah, so let me know who your guys' winners and losers are. I wasn't really going to talk about kind of – we really don't know who's a winner and who's a loser yet until either these teams stop playing for the player, uh, the team they got traded to or it just doesn't work out or it works out really good for a team that got them. So, yeah, that is going to be for me. Thank you all for listening. I love you guys, and I'll see you guys in Episode 17. Peace.